Welcome to the Breaking Bots Podcast. Please put on your safety goggles, tighten your seatbelt and enjoy the ride. Here are your hosts, Brian and Cam. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Breaking Bots. Not gonna lie, it's really awkward trying to record an intro by yourself. Because Cam is not with me this week, at least for the intro anyway. He's there for the interview, not for the intro. But uh, we got a good episode for you. We have special guest Jen Herkenroder from this this year. It's uh, Team Scorpios. You may know her from the podcast before from uh, Team Poor Life Choices and their bot Battle Royale with Cheese and R.I.P. Shorty Shorter Pounder. Yeah. I'm not starting this over again. So, you know what? We're just going to get into it. Um, it's a cool episode. We talk about all things, uh, you know, with uh, bacon cheeseburger robots, uh, her power racing series car, the little pink Camaro, and, of course, uh, Scorpios this year that is now 3-0 and and uh, almost a lock for a, a Sweet 16 spot. So... Uh, without further ado, here she is. It is Jen Herkenroder from Scorpios. Alrighty, folks, and we are back. And uh, this week on the podcast, we have a returning. For the third, third time, time, we've had her, you know, via the phone before, and we had her actually in person last time, but now we have her on Skype. So please welcome back from uh, Scorpios and the power racing team, Little Pink Corvette, Jen Herkenroder. Jen, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Did I butcher that too bad? Actually, you, the, so the funny part is you got the name right, but mm-hmm. the the pink car is actually a Camaro, not oh, a Corvette. It's, oh, oh no! You're so close. Okay, <laughs> God, it's been a while since I've seen the car. So, man, it's it's also seen a lot of damage in the last year. So, like in fairness, if you just said little pink car, like it's you're pretty close. Yeah, that we I saw the the pictures from the Bay Area Maker Fair where you guys raced, and it looked pretty sloppy. Uh, we have been referring to that race as the Power Racing Regatta. <laughs> it was heinous. Like that, it seemed like they were going to do us a favor, and the parking lot where we usually race was going to be like newly paved and new, fresh asphalt. And that sounds great in theory, but when the rain came down as hard as it did, there were puddles in the track that just brought up oil and tire grit, and that was getting thrown in our faces every single lap. It was completely disgusting it, it took days to sp- oh it was cold too that was probably some of the hardest like for on my body some of the hardest physical racing i've done i can imagine i mean even just being there live last year we got some uh track thrown in our faces a little bit so i couldn't imagine how it would be in the track so luckily for you you're in first place a lot so you're not eating a lot of asphalt from the teams behind in front of you Funny at, least, you should say at that. least for a few laps anyway <laughs> Right. We, um, we had run uh, go-kart slicks for most of last year, and we had knobby tires set aside as an option uh, because there's a couple of rallies on the East Coast we like to go to that are kind of off-road, and they're not for points. They're for fun. And we used the knobby tires for off-roading stuff, and literally just before the first race, 
I looked at the track. I looked at, at uh, my racing partner. I was like, oh, we're going to change these tires right now. And we threw the knobby tires on. And the other racers kept with the go-kart slicks. And they, they felt like they had a decent enough traction. But what we found was that as we were coming through the puddles, the drivers behind us were getting sprayed really badly. And like on the one hand, I'm very sorry. That's not the intent. I was really not trying to get water directly in your face. But on the other hand, that is what the tires do, is get the tire, get the water away from the center of the tread so you have better grip. So I still think I made the right choice. Oh, yeah. Did you wind up winning that race? Uh, we did not win that race. We won the, uh, that weekend. We had a bevy of electronic issues. We thought some of the electronics were waterproof, and they were not. Um, the, fall, the Hall effect sensor in particular uh, failed. Uh, so we took a couple of medals. We'd won the race Sunday morning. We won the weekend overall on Moxie and race points. Um, we had a DNF on the second race on Saturday. We had a, a, a Hall effect sensor failed. Yeah. Uh, replaced that overnight, mm-hmm. took the ESC to the hotel and basically put a hairdryer to it and made sure it was still running properly because we thought that might have been flooded as well. Um, did a lot of like last-minute electronics uh, waterproofing and still was not quite enough. Uh, but we came back on Sunday, were able to win the first race, were able to complete the endurance race under power despite having the reverse uh, kind of going haywire on us and having to rip the reverse switch out in the middle of the race to, ca- to keep the car from going backwards randomly because it had been so clogged with oil and water that the wiring was just starting to fail. So we had a lot of exciting moments during that race, <laughs> and it was definitely a challenge to keep the car on the track. So then it was like, the the goal isn't to win. The goal was to finish under power. Just don't fail. Like, don't die. And we managed to do that. So we got <laughs> enough race points to take the weekend overall, and we won San Mateo this year. Now, I thought when you you were going to say that you took some medals, I thought you were going to say, and you hacked them up to fix the car. I was going to be, that's that's some ingenuity right there. That would be, that'd be really good. Um, if you didn't know this before, the Power Racing Series medals are actually gilded plastic. <laughs> oh, I did not so know you, that. I've never held you, one before. Yeah, they're uh, they're laser cut. They're usually made at PS1 Hackerspace in Chicago. And then they come with Patrick, one of the founders, out to each of the races, and they hand these out. So they are artisanal, and each year they have a different design. So this year's updated design uh, is kind of a throwback. In fact, this is the 10th year of power racing and did begin in Chicago 10 years ago. And so we've got these, these great um, metals. But the other thing we'll do is we will occasionally chop them up and use them as, like, buffers between electronics components. Or if if there's a tie, we'll just break the metal and hand it to two people. <laughs> things like that. How many broken metals do you have? Uh, now, now that we do relay races, and they will we'll take the metal and cut it into three or four pieces, depending on how many teams are in the relay. I probably have uh, three, maybe four broken metals. Nice. See, that's the sign of a winning team, though, that you can afford to use it as parts and break it up to give out to people. <laughs> I got to imagine some of these teams, like, they're hanging that medal up in their Makerspace trophy case. And they're not, they're not going to, um, yeah, they're not slicing and dicing it up just to use for other things, though. But that's a sign of a good team. You're like, ah, yeah, we got a million of these. We can just, whatever. <laughs> or, Somebody in the crowd want this? Uh, alternately, it's a sign of, like, a really bad team because we will hack anything to make it work. We will hack literally anything onto the car to make it run. There will be bubble gum. There will be duct tape. There will be zip ties. There may be metals. Now, this is usually a, a question we ask about, uh, like, a, a team's bot, but uh, what improvements have been made to the little pink Camaro this year that maybe make it run a little faster? 
Well, uh, so this year we're not running the Pink Camaro uh, as competitively as we were last year. Um, in fact, the Pink Camaro was going to be retired, but we realized that this might be one of the last years that we could race a bunch of races. So we pulled it out of retirement and sort of dusted it off and really just fixed things that had been broken last year. And we hadn't made any substantial upgrades. Um, and the, the reason for that is uh, Jeremy Ashinghurst, my, my build partner for the Pink Camaro, and myself, um, we both set out to win. And we spent two years developing this car for the sole purpose of, of winning, of making it really good and really reliable. And at the end of 2018, we had taken home the championship. We went to more races than we had ever done. We had a record-breaking weekend in Nashville that was just a, a, an amazing collection of points. Um, we met you guys down in Florida. We had a great time at that weekend as well, and that's when we were awarded the trophy. But in a way, uh, that was what we had wanted for that car. And after a couple of years of working on this car and getting it to that position, we both want to build new stuff. Like, we both want to start on our next builds. So Jeremy has been working on a really interesting uh, transmission system for electronic or electric go-karts. And he's been developing that on an older build platform in Lightning McQueen, his little red car, which is uh, a little red Corvette. Hmm. And and this year, uh, primarily, I was focusing on robots, on on building different kinds of robots. But I, I have three bodies in my shop right now. This is how bad it gets when you're racing. I have three <laughs> bodies. Uh, one is a pink MR2, and one is a, a little red Shelby Mustang, and I have like different plans for each of those cars. That you know, when when robot season is over, I'm going to open one of them up and make it into a, a really nice little race car. But we're both um, really kind of focused on what is the next really awesome thing we can build. Because while it's really cool to win, winning is like the end of the build, and then you start the new build. So basically, what you're saying is, since you so thoroughly trashed everybody last year, <laughs> that there is nothing left to prove, and now you can just have fun with it. We did, we did, in fact, stuff all the haters. We proved everyone, <laughs> anyone, who, anyone who was talking smack online, to me in particular. I don't know why last year uh, around San Mateo, I got a reputation for being an aggressive driver. And I was kind of shocked by this because Jeremy's always been coaching me to, to be more aggressive. And this, that year, uh, yeah, I, I mean, got, you didn't strike me as aggressive, really, when you were down in Orlando. I, I'm a pretty clean driver. Uh, what I am is, if you're in front of me, I will, uh, I will follow you very closely, and I will stay on your tail very, very tightly. And as soon as you make an opening, I will take it. So I am uh, what, what some might call a technical driver. I will not take dangerous gaps. I will wait for a good opening, and then I'll slam it every single time. There are other drivers who will just take any gap they can get. And uh, my strategy for winning is to keep my car off of the wall. Like, don't crash. You can't win a race from the pit, so yeah. don't crash your car. And that's worked out pretty well for me. But I, I do drive a faster car, and I do get a little bit of the red mist, especially like if someone, if someone is being aggressive at me, it kind of uh, it inspires me to, to hand a little bit back. Yeah, oh, like yeah. if people are blocking, like it, it kind of sets off that instinct in you that you know, when you're following that slow kid at the go-kart track that's just weaving back and forth, and you're so much faster than they are, and, but you can't get around them. Yeah. This feels like experience, right? This is us at that go-kart track in Brandon. Yeah, but I wasn't talking about you, though. <laughs> oh. There, <laughs> okay. there, but there's definitely been some times where you get stuck behind that one person, and it's like, 
you're looking at the flag guy come being like, come on, blue flag, man, make a move, and then they don't, and so ugh. now I'm gonna ask Grr. a couple. I'm gonna ask a couple dumb questions. Is drafting a thing in power racing? We we're never going fast enough to make that like physically viable. But mm-hmm. what I what I will do is I will follow another car so so close that any time they make a turn they can see me and I tend to psych people out and they will let me pass because they're afraid of me. I will do that. <laughs> That's fair enough. I wouldn't want somebody to turn me around, so I might do that too. Just a thought, depending um, on how early in the race it is. But now yeah, you said you and, and with a lot of the Go ahead. I was going to say, you said you're not a dirty driver, but then you said earlier that you were splashing people with those tires, so I don't know which well, one to was, believe. that was a consequence of the track, really. <laughs> I'm kidding. I mean... Are you sure you didn't like, call I'm that sorry. weather in? I'm really... I'm like, I'm sorry, but that was not my fault. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's, you know, that's just part of racing. That's the technique, right? So... Yeah. Anyway. You're not, you're not going to call off an F1 race because it's raining. No, you're just going to maybe change your tire compound yeah, and get back out there. No, mad props for the last second tire change to something that wasn't a slick on a wet track. I mean, come on. Yeah. Be smart, people. Okay, now, my, yeah, I mean, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I was just going to say that anyone who had come prepared <clears throat> could have done that, too. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's... It seems that's one thing that's different from BattleBots is that, you know, teams can bring two, three entire builds of their machine there. But I don't know if you really have the space to do that, do you? I mean, you're probably just dragging what you can there, but it's not going to be like that, especially when you're coming cross country, right? Yeah. And I think one of the one of the reasons why there are so many BattleBot builders who also do PRS is because it's kind of a, a fundamentally different build ethos where in BattleBots re- winning really is important. We are putting a lot of money on the line. We're putting a lot of time, energy, the trust of our sponsors, the love of our fans, like everything goes on the line and it's televised. It's very high stakes. And like the average BattleBot is going to be like 20 to $40,000. And there are plenty of BattleBots that go up to a hundred thousand dollars. And there will be multiple copies of that BattleBot on site because one may break entirely. You might win a match, but you might still break fundamentally important things on your robot so on battle bots it is very intense you have to get good quickly you got to repair things quickly and you have to come prepared and in order to do that you're going to ask people like like big blue saw like bam bever brothers like lincoln electric like we ask people to give us faith and trust and money and parts and supplies uh on scorpios this year we had van bever brothers we had elation we had x prize uh chote rosemary academy had all given us money. Castle Products gave us um, electronics. We also had Maxamps batteries. We ha- all of this, and we still spent money out of pocket on the robot, and it's very high stakes. With power racing, there's a cap. It's $500 max. So you, you can do whatever you want up to $500. And we, we used to joke that power racing is like like the spa and recovery for BattleBots builders, because it's really more about having fun and doing crazy things with engineering. And winning is fun, don't get me wrong, but being able to show up and just get on the track with all your friends, that's the best part. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to put one together still. Um, got uh, the frame. Yeah, yeah, I got the, I've got, well, I've got <laughs> a frame. I don't know, it probably won't be the frame, but uh, it, it's, it's definitely not as easy as it looks. And, you know, when you have a $500 cap, you know, my, obviously minus safety stuff, 
which I kind of I kind of joked with that. Uh, I'm trying to. We were interviewing somebody, and I was joking about it, and that's. It's like I think it was last week actually. Oh, I didn't know if it was the Witch Doctor crew way back. No, it wasn't them. But it's yeah, it's like the or, safety equipment stuff. I guess it's not as bad as a as like a chump car. I don't know if you have you ever heard of those series like the the twenty four hours of lemons. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the five hundred dollar car that you have to put like twenty five hundred dollars worth of safety equipment in. <laughs> oh, oh, easily just just to start. Um, there's yeah. a, a team out of NIMBY, Oakland, where I used to have a shop. Uh, Matt Worth had a Volvo, and I I really wanted to race with him. And uh, my my most recent work I was doing with Terrafugia, our structural engineer also wanted to do a Lemons car, and I was so into this idea. But it is a lot of money uh, to not just get the car and equip it with a roll cage and safety features that are really necessary for that kind of racing, but also to equip your garage so that you can work on it in a, in a way that's meaningful and not just you know throw it out there. Like the Gambler 500 is a is a great example of where you're kind of doing this rally to break the car and it's funny and, and if the car breaks well that's fine with lemons it, it is a little bit higher stakes to start yes because yeah. you're you got the the car and then the safety equipment that all the spare parts you'll probably go through too and some yeah. extra tires if you want it's yeah i looked into that for a little while and i was like yeah i just i don't <laughs> know that i have the, the wherewithal for this. yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's that's one of those areas where I love being a team captain, but I would love to just be on a Lemons team and someone else can be the captain. <laughs> I don't want that responsibility. True. I may not want to drive that either, to be honest. But <laughs> now you got to take some bumps and bruises, though, in power racing, though. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You're wearing quite a bit of body armor when you when you get in that thing. Uh, well, there uh, different build styles will give you, let's say, different kinds of bruises and... Um, I used to build cars that were kind of mid-pack, really reliable cars, and they were they were sort of soft and fun to drive and didn't tend to get in many uh, wrecks. But the faster cars, your bracing position's a little bit different. Um, on the pink Camaro, for example, you have to lean forward quite a lot, um, and you're kind of moving your body as if you are on a motorcycle, so you're using the weight of your body to get around turns uh, because the car can flip. And we had that problem a lot on Lightning McQueen, Jeremy's uh, little red Corvette, that car would try to throw you off backwards or try to throw you off the side if you took a, a turn too fast. You really had to race it as if it were a motorcycle. Um, the pink Camaro, I changed the weight ratio by moving the entire battery pack to the front of the car and putting it inside of a safety cage. Hmm. So on the Camaro, there was 42 pounds on the front of the car, and it didn't wheelie as much. And what we found that helped us do was you could drift on this car. You can basically drift on command if you really want to. It's very fun. But that will also put you in peril if you're going around a turn and you kind of overcook it. You can you can spin yourself out, and that's where you'll you'll wind up with an injury. Uh, but even being in the car itself, uh, the endurance races are 75 minutes, and there mm. have been times when not even having a big impact or a big hit, I might get bruises down my legs just from being in the car for that long and pushing my body against the sides of the car to keep it stable. So you kind of use your entire body for driving uh, when you're doing something of that scale. Um, and I think uh, on Lemons, you're, you have more of a racing seat. And you might even have a seat that's different for each driver as, it, as if they were like really super legit racing. Like you can have a seat for your small driver and a seat for your large driver. Um, on power racing, some of the cars, the seat is like the last thing they thought about. And it's, <laughs> yeah. like a piece, it's like a piece of plywood and maybe some EVA foam. Yeah, you're yeah, going to walk away from there. It's just the bottom of an old office chair. 
Right. <laughs> right. Like a $10 chair they got at Goodwill and this chop the base off of. Yeah, I'd that have to that go happens sh- a lot. Ugh, I'd have to go straight to a chiropractor after. Now, <laughs> building off that one question that I had, and it was, it was when my wife and I were driving around talking about power racing and this came up. We were kind of wondering how driver weight plays into it. Um, you know, like part of me was thinking, okay, well, the lighter the driver, the faster the car. You know, you're not getting a ton of horsepower out of these things. But then some of the stuff you're th- saying makes me think maybe you don't just want to have like some 90-pound waif on there because they might just get thrown off. So I guess my question is, is this horse racing rules or is this Mario Kart rules? That, that is such an interesting question. And <laughs> I'll tell you, every year we have a summit in Chicago. And some of us will fly in, every, other people will Skype in, and we will talk about what the rules set should be for the following year based on it, did we have some problems with rules or were there a lot of complaints or did we feel like someone was bending the rules in a way that we want to shut down? Hmm. And <laughs> it's basically like a four-hour nerd fight. It's incredible. <laughs> uh, but always in the course of that, at, at some point or another, the discussion will come up, well, does weight make a difference? And, and I can give you some examples where, depending on your build style, it can. Uh, we've, we have a couple of drivers who are uh, let's you know on the larger end. Some of the guys who race mm-hmm. with us are over six foot, and they're just they're big dudes. Yeah. Uh, so so what makes a difference on their builds is the current draw necessary to get the torque appropriate to move them forward, okay. and it does make a difference. We've had some some cars where you'd blow a fuse because the current draw was so high to get the appropriate torque to move this person forward, and we've had some builders say that the fuse rule is unfair to larger drivers which is an interesting point, but the fuse rule is there to keep everyone safe to limit the amount of current that's being drawn as a total, depending on the, the, the voltage of the battery pack you're running. And we have also joked a lot about like the jockey system, but the truth is having a very young or very light driver doesn't come in handy if they're not also really good. Mm-hmm. So like just having a lighter driver doesn't make a difference if they're not also a good driver. One of my favorite drivers of all time is Jean Consorti. She's from Fubar Labs, and she is, for all intents and purposes, the light driver for them. Um, she is one of the winningest drivers. She is like 98 pounds soaking wet, but she also has this ferocity that's undeniable. And she was like, she told me this story one time while we were we were road tripping to one of the races where when she was a teenager, she would kind of you know goof around late at night, back roads, in her manual transmission car. She was basically you know, a grown-up street racer, yeah. <laughs> and she got into power racing, and she's like, this is great. This is everything that I want. Yeah. Because hmm. she she's a mom. She has kids, but she gets behind the wheel of this tiny car, and she's like, she is a race car driver. She's got that instinct. Um, at the same time, we had uh, some, some teenagers, like 18, 19, 20, mm-hmm. uh, folks who were in high school or who were in college who were building, and they're light. They're, you know, 90 to 120 pounds, but mm-hmm. they didn't have skill. They were building their skills. I shouldn't say they were unskilled, but yeah. younger drivers just have less experience. Uh, and and some of the mistakes they would make, they would accidentally take themselves out of the race because they would overcook a turn or they would corner bomb. They would start on the outside of the racing line and suddenly move in and get T-boned by a fast car. Uh, so having a light driver only makes a difference if that driver is also skilled. So with Jeremy and I, Jeremy is uh, he, he, he's a muscular dude. Yeah. Not yeah. huge, not small. But he's a, I, if I'm not betraying anything, I think he's like 170, 180. Okay. And, and I'm 125. So between the two of us, 
uh, I'm the lighter driver. Yeah. There's one area where he has a bit of an advantage, and that is keeping the car from drifting when he doesn't want it to. Okay. So his his driving style and mine are slightly different because he's got 50 extra pounds. I shouldn't say 50 extra pounds. So he's a very healthy guy. Yeah, nothing 50, wrong. Yeah. 50 more, 50 additional <laughs> 50, pounds over 50 you. Pounds. Yeah. Right. So literally while we're in the car, the center of gravity and the weight ratio changes a little bit. And that's something that we have to take into account as drivers. Uh, if your driver is too light, like if you have your battery placed in, in a position where the weight of the driver matters, that can actually hurt you. Okay. So I think it's definitely something to take into account when you're building is who is going to be driving this most often. Um, and this is why I think it's it's great to have a team and not try to solo build if you can, because the endurance races, you got a mandatory driver change every 15 minutes. And when that happens, you want your car to be ready for the next driver, whether that means like. Jeremy and I used to change out the seat when we were both racing on McQueen and I would I literally had a booster seat so that I could <laughs> keep my feet forward of where the battery pack was. Yeah. And for him that was a very natural reach, but I I'm just shorter. So yeah. I had literally a seat that I would put in to race his car and that was part of our racing strategy was to make sure that the driver was comfortable and so that you're focusing on the racing and that you're using your body appropriately. Now, you mentioned current draw and blowing fuses. Has there been a team that shows up and say one of the one of the beefy boys gets in the in the driver's seat and they keep blowing fuses? Do you ever does anybody tell them to eat less donuts? Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Uh so f- funny enough, did I I guess you guys have been keeping up on BattleBots this year. Yes. yes. So you saw the Scorpios versus Tantrum fight. Yes. We did. And you can kind of you can get an idea. Aaron Hill is almost a foot taller than me. Yeah, and, and I heard the, he races in this because he he does. Yeah, he actually told me we were going to have him on. And he said he was going to do um, a race. So yeah, I, I, we haven't had him on just yet. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, he but big guy though. He, he is a, he's tall and uh, and just on account of being that tall, he's got the weight to match. He's a healthy guy again. Yeah. No no shade. All about body positivity. Uh, and in his case, he made one of the smallest cars in power racing history. Despite being a very tall driver, he made Van Gogh last year. And oh, it was kind of hilarious. yes. I, that, is that, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. It was it the little blue yeah. van. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that was like, hilarious. I, I, I really enjoyed his Moxie skit was just him getting into the car because yes. it was hilarious. Uh, and he, he's also a very talented engineer. But he did have a problem of, of blowing fuses, and he was using a smaller battery pack, uh, and he was using a, a different style of motor. He was also going brushless, but there's kind of like brushless melon. I think um, Witch Doctor is also using this on their cars. Uh, hmm. I want to say like, I'm going to misquote. It's probably like MY something something. It's, it's one of the brushless melon. You can just buy these off of eBay pretty cheap, and they're, yeah. they're pretty good. Uh, Sometimes, yeah, if the battery's going too low or uh, it gets some other issue in it. Th- I think this year he took Van Gogh as a platform and kind of got rid of everything but the motor and the battery and wound up coming back with Gary the Snail. Oh, and, yeah, I heard about that. Which is, it's beautiful. I got to hand it to his team. His team did an amazing job on on the aesthetics. of this. It looks like Gary the Snail. It just looks... <laughs> It's so good. I, I took so many pictures of it when it showed up in Detroit. I loved it. 
Um, and I think he had actually figured out uh, a handful of ways to mitigate some of the current spikes that were causing him to drop out of races last year. So he had like an overall stronger build and it's still pretty fast. But the truth is, um, on like, let's say pink Camaro, our 2016, 2017 build, we were blowing fuses all the time. We were, Jeremy was writing custom firmware to try to limit the current. We had sensors running on this thing. Um, and then at New York 2017, we dropped the laptop into the car and just blew a bunch of sensors, just destroyed them. Hmm. Like um, current from the battery arced through the laptop back into the car and destroyed uh, several what we thought were critical systems. And Jeremy, who's a hero, that night was working on the SE and the motor controller and the firmware back at the hotel and just kind of had a revelation, well, what if we run it open loop? What if we, what if we ignore all of the sensors except the Hall Effect sensor? What happens? So we did that. <laughs> and sure enough, just limiting the top speed on the car was mm -hmm. enough to keep the current from uh, drawing so high that we were popping the fuse. And we wound up taking home medals that weekend, whereas, you know, in the middle of our racing, we broke the car completely. Um, I, do, I do think that you have to take into account who's going to drive the car. I don't think that it is as critical as having a strong setup. And sort of like being safe about your electricity. And I, and I say that um, the Nissan Leaf battery packs that I use, I've arced myself assembling this battery pack at least one time because I was <laughs> doing it too quickly. And I, my, my teammate um, back in the day, Cordell, he did the same. Pretty much all of us have done something unsafe with a battery pack from time to time, which is why I started building like safety cages and doing custom 3D printed you know, faces on these to try to keep the batteries and terminals as clean and clear as possible. Mm -hmm. But... Um, I, the current limit and the fuse limit kind of exist for our safety and anything that you're doing that gets around that it's getting like closer and closer to being unsafe. So I'd say if you start with something reasonable and then start pushing out to the edge of what you can achieve in terms of performance, that's better than starting with something as fast as you can possibly go. And then like kind of bringing it back to where you're not blowing fuses. Yeah. You don't want to end up with something as unstable as deep six. I know oh, that's... boy. <laughs> so I guess, oh, no. I guess at this point we can get into the battle bots because, yes. well, um, Hey, they're two and O right now, but no, I, I understand completely. <laughs> and thank you, Jen. That was a fantastic answer to that question because it had been eating at us. Um, I know, I know you probably hate all the Mario Kart comparisons, but yeah, we were like, is this like horse racing or is it like Mario Kart where like Donkey Kong and Wario like have more control, but it's not as quick to like build up the speed and all that. So. My wife even decided, like, all of us are a Mario Kart person. Jen was, <laughs> Jen was Princess Peach, by the way. And you were Donkey Kong. Me? Yeah. <laughs> why, am I, why can't I just, like, be Metal Mario? Hey, he's the big guy, though. You don't want to be the fat guy like Wario or something. I was uh, Waluigi, the little skinny dude with a mustache. <laughs> I don't have a mustache, but whatever. Um, now you must grow one. Yeah, I could. You know, maybe for a Comic-Con <laughs> I'll do that. But uh. Uh, So, Jen, the first time we had you on last year was the, actually the very first interview we ever did because we loved your bot it was battle royale with cheese and sadly they did not he did not return this year we, we did not bring back the cheeseburger and that was was it because hypershock just i mean i'm kind of mad that he did that he just i mean oh well, mm. well so there there were some details about the robot that were kind of like team secrets and I'll tell you a couple a couple of things. 
Uh, one is that we had requested AR-400 steel for the armor, knowing full well we were at some point going to get pitted against like a beefy vertical spinner or a beefy horizontal spinner. And you can't use mild steel for that application. Mm-hmm. And what our, our sponsor couldn't get us AR-400 because a, a set of tariffs had come into effect. And everyone working in construction who would be using AR-400 and AR-500 for things like excavator teeth or using them in construction, they were buying up steel stocks so quickly that we couldn't buy ours. Uh, So so the first thing that happened was we asked for AR-400 and we got HR. We got hot rolled steel. And we knew... We knew as we were constructing this that the first time we got hit by something really substantial, this was going to deform. There was no way around it. So I did the best I could, and uh, Jordan Bunker, who was the other fabricator, he did the best he could. The two of us worked together to do the internal rail system as strong as it possibly could be using a higher carbon steel. And like we did everything we could to reinforce the interior of the robot, knowing that if we went up against something with a lot of force and a lot of power, there was an extremely good chance we would lose the armor. And the idea was, as long as the weapon is spinning, the weapon is our best defense. Because the weapon is uh, completely extended from the robot, you have to make contact with the weapon in order to get to our armor. Mm-hmm. So the tragedy, the, we felt confident enough that <clears throat> as long as the weapon is spinning, we have a very good chance against any of the wedgie boys, against any of... The, uh, the vertical spinners, because we can make weapon-on-weapon contact. We had a 70-pound bar for a weapon. It spun 200 miles an hour. That is an enormous amount of force. It was like, as long as the weapon is spinning, we can do something, and we can drive well, and we can navigate a match. But we had tragedy strike, not once but twice, on weapon spin-up. And you may have seen this on the behind the scenes. We put the cheeseburger in the test box, mm-hmm. and yes. we spun it up. And we had beautiful spin-up tests. It performed exactly as we wanted it to. And then something would go wrong. <laughs> yeah. So right, and it couldn't go right, wrong in the test box. Right. Uh, or in, in one time, it was in the test box, right before the fight with, uh, with Tantrum in Season 3. Mm-hmm. We're in the test box. We are in costume. We're so confident this is going to work that we're just ready to go. Like, this, yeah, we're going to pass safety, and we're, we're fine. We put it in the test box, and... One thing I don't understand is why this particular thing happened, but what happened was the weapon spun backward for just a moment. Uh, hmm. I'll have to defer to uh, the controls individual as to why that happened, but we had a torque limiter in place, and there's a variety of ways that you can prevent motor damage or prevent overkerning. You can use a clutch, you can use belts, you can use a torque limiter. We went with the torque limiter, and that was a bad idea. When the weapon spun backward just for a moment, the torque limiter unwound. And with it unwound, we had no torque at all. Oh. So there's a photograph. I think it's probably still on my Facebook page because I'm very lazy. But there's a <laughs> photograph uh, of me. I, I had was wearing my costume, and I threw on my welding gear really quickly, and I ran inside, and I grabbed my personal MIG welder. I brought it outside, and we hooked it up, and I'm leaning into the robot, and Jordan is holding the torque limiter closed with a wrench, and I am welding it shut just so we can get in the match. Like, we don't know what's going to happen, but if we don't get in the match, production is going to have our buns. Like, yeah. this is going to be bad. 
So, uh, so we get it just spinning, and it's only spinning at like 12% of its c- capacity, but it's spinning. Like, good enough, okay, we might lose, but at least we're in there. So mm-hmm. we throw the robot in the ring, and, and Tantrum flips us, and we're just like, no, please don't let it end this way. And Aaron Hill, who for all of his smack talking, <laughs> he did us a solid, and he came back over, and he, and he hit us again, and that flipped us back upright. And we, we spun up the weapon. Um, it wasn't performing the way we wanted it to, but it was making contact. We mm-hmm. ripped some bolts off of the front of Tantrum. Uh, we had a couple of good smacks. Uh, he did manage to push us around for the rest of the match, but the robot went three minutes, and we were like, okay, awesome, we can fix this. We can make this happen. Yeah. I think, <sighs> yeah, I think Miles was kind of talking about the torque limiter. That was the only fight that had happened, so that right. was the only one we got to discuss last season. Yeah. And he made mention of that. But. And then the Hypershock fight. Yeah. Oof. Oh, God, the Hypershock fight. I See, I think about this. I like, I like Will Bales. I, I do not blame him for, for taking a late hit. Will Bales was having a rough season. Uh, he, he's kind of like the golden boy of BattleBots. He's, he's cool. He's fun. He's friendly. He's helpful. He does want to win. I know. I like thought we, he was a like jerk we until we talked to him at the Maker Fair. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, that jerk. I can't believe he did that to the burger. I know, because he has, like, a lot of swagger, but last season, his bot was losing, and he was having electrical problems inside the bot, and there, it was, it's hard when you spend $40,000 and it's not working. It's terrifying. I'll tell you, it is horrifying. So, he goes into the match with us knowing if he doesn't beat us, it's gonna look, it's gonna look real bad, right? He has to win this match, and we're like, holy crap, we have to survive this match, Knowing that our, our, we're like, we think we have our weapons sorted out, we've got things spinning up, but we know Hypershock has uh, an extremely powerful vertical spinner. If Hypershock makes contact with our armor, our armor's going to deform. There's nothing we can do about it. So we get into the match, and it's just like everything that could go wrong went wrong. The radio for Shorter Pounder wasn't working. Shorter Pounder was, like, literally wandering around and it was everything I could do to kind of corral this little mini bot back yeah. into the square. <laughs> R.I.P. Like, shorter pounder. R.I.P. <laughs> 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 but like, there was a flamethrower on the robot that we were spending so much time concentrating on getting it to stop moving that we didn't have a chance to even launch the flamethrower. But we had radio interference. So we're having radio interference on both the big bot and the little bot. We just get Battle Royale with Cheese you know, moving out of the box, and the weapon doesn't appear to be spinning up at all. And I'm freaking out because I'm on the side going, why? Why is this happening? And you can't fix it. Turns out what had happened was I, either just before or just after the first impact with Hypershock, the ESC overcurrented so badly that it just became a charred little pancake inside the robot. Uh, it, it completely fried out. And there was no energy getting to the weapon when Hypershock made contact, that was it. It was done. Um, and then, yeah, he came back for a second hit, and we are like, really, bro? Really? I want to be like Yeti. Like, don't be a dick, but at the same time. <laughs> oh, no, it was, time, it was, uh, you could, totally could have said that. And we all would have <laughs> laughed and, and yeah, felt and then we real were, bad. Yeah, and then we were subjected to tons of Kenny's bad burger puns the rest of the match. <laughs> <laughs> of which there were many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it was one of the best parts of the robot is all the puns. It was so good. 
So when so um, after Hypershock does that, I, was that it for uh, Battle Royale with Cheese for the season? Uh, like, was it, there weren't, weren't any like unaired matches or anything? Well, so what happened next was um, we on in the the sort of tunnel on the way back. Um, they take the robots outside after each match for a safety cooldown to make sure the batteries aren't going to go up or make sure there's not going to be any secondary fires because uh, things things can happen. So we mm-hmm. go outside, we get we get the batteries out, and I'm looking at the damage like. We have spare armor. I've got a complete second set of armor, and I have a complete second frame that we brought in the event that we lost the first set. So, uh, you know, I've just got my arms crossed, and I'm looking at it like, this is this is fixable. So I spent the next four solid days, from the moment that we were allowed on site until the moment they kicked us back out, I was in metal fabrication um, with Jordan and with the other teammates, uh, there were a couple people inside in the pits who were working on the electronics because we'd fried an ESC. We only had two, and they wanted to make sure we weren't going to do that again. Um, we also lost a battery pack, so we had we were working on spares and backups. So I, I was out um, getting the pieces of the old frame and pieces of the new frame, pieces of the old armor, pieces of the new armor, uh, welding on replacement parts. Uh, the Battle Royale with cheese in its current configuration right now, uh, you may have seen photographs of it like with a giant steel band-aid. That was a yeah. 18-gauge 18, 18 steel band-aid that I cut to <laughs> to cover up the hypershock left holes in quarter-inch uh, mild steel, by the way. like Yikes. That was a big hit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't see yeah. that. Like the, I didn't see the, the updated picture. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll send you some, but... Basically, everywhere there was a hole, I took a hammer, we pounded it out, we patched it up as well as possible, re-welded it, and uh, we knew that we were not going to be in the tournament, but we were really hoping that we would get at least one more match so that we could show this. We could show what the robot could do. We put it back in the test box after it was reassembled, um, and we had all kinds of interesting ways for like, how are we going to save this frame? And we're like, Jordan, get your Volvo. We're going to run over it. <laughs> 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 it was things like that uh well we we got the robot completely back together we got um we lost the hammers those shat one of the hammers shattered um and which is kind of predictable actually it's the reason why i don't want to use tool steel on weapons anymore um we keep seeing like s2 and s7 tool steel actually shatter during matches so we found out some interesting material properties we had learned some lessons yeah but we got it back together and uh in production they came over and they said all right if you're ready to fight we're gonna have a fight for you and we're like yes and then we waited, and we waited, and in fairness to production and in fairness to the other teams, everyone who comes wants to fight. It's the only reason you're there. You want to fight. And there were a lot of teams who had bad seasons who were hoping for a fight. So we were one of many, just crossing our fingers and hoping we got the pick. And uh, uh, sort of at the, the last minute, the last day of filming, we had the opportunity to go up against Kraken, and we thought this is going to be hilarious because Kraken has a giant mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And we, and we have a giant burger. So we were really pumped up for this. We were ready to go. And in our downtime, there were other robots that were either broken or needed assembly issues. Like you may have seen last season, there was a robot called Raven that yes. never really came together. Yeah. When I finished working on the cheeseburger, I started working on his robot. I went over and welded somebody else's robot. Like I was just. I was so amped up for a fight. I had so much energy that I was just, what, what's wrong with your robot? Can I help you fix that? What do you need? What do you got? Oh, we've heard you were quite busy last year. So, <laughs> Oh, I was so into it. I loved it. 
but at the at sort of last minute, there was another team that had not had two fights, and they they were asking, "May we please?" And production was like, "Had uh, uh, it's like how oh, you pull your heartstrings, like yeah, we want this match, but oh, that match would also be good." And we wound up um, Kraken was pulled from our fight for a different fight that went on on TV, and we wound up not having a fight. So hmm. there that's, was that. That's when you just do the rumble. <laughs> more rumbles <laughs> i would be into a rumble yeah yeah so well you know and in, in fairness to production they're doing what they can to make sure the show is entertaining and to make sure a lot of people watch the show so i'm never gonna i completely respect why they make the choices they do they're trying to make good tv so that people keep watching oh yeah and i'm sure they do have to make a lot of hard choices like that now now do you know where battle royale with cheese is currently residing uh, right now it is, uh, currently in Oakland. Okay. Oakland, California. So, I think he was just hoping it was close enough for him to play with. Oh no, I just <laughs> didn't know. I, I knew last year there was still, you know, showing it at some of the different, uh, you know, like maker fairs and expos and things like that. So I didn't know if it was still on the tour circuit yeah. or if it had been scrapped. Or oh yeah, we had, um, well, yo, here's a funny story. Uh, not funny. It was actually very scary for a minute, but. Uh, we, we did send Battle Royale cheese to our sponsors. So Battle Royale went to Imgur and we did uh, like a, a day with high school kids and we did robots and it was very fun at Bot Bash in Lafayette. And it also went to DigiKey, our beloved sponsor. Uh, oh, yeah. we had, we had them at Maker Fair for DigiKey and our, our wonderful sponsor in Chicago Advanced Metal Crafters, they asked if they could have Battle Royale Cheese for a SolidWorks event. And we were like, absolutely. So we built a crate, and we put Battle Royale in the crate, and we labeled it, and we insured it. And we insured it for, I'll be honest with you, more than it was really actually worth. Uh. Just because, <laughs> but we, we were debating this, like, how much is the robot worth? Well, you better, you better say more than that, because if we had to replace it, it would cost so much more. Like, yeah, it would cost so much. and time and effort. Part. Right. So we, uh, we put a what we thought was a fair replacement value, mm-hmm. and the truck that it was on jackknifed and and oh, fell over. Gosh. It was in a the truck that Battle Royale with Cheese was riding to get to Chicago crashed in Sacramento. That and poor bot has no brakes. Yeah. Oh, just <laughs> I know. But here the worst part was they lost the cheeseburger. They they said it was in an accident and we have it and then they said we don't know where it is. So a few days later we're like you you have to find our cheeseburger. How do you lose a 250-pound cheeseburger? <laughs> that that might have been an omen. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so so they were they were kind of like pushing us off like, oh, I'm sure it'll turn up. We're like, no, it's supposed to be at an event with our sponsor. You have to find it right now. And then they're like, oh, well, you know, whatever. And we're like, do you remember how much we insured that robot for? Because if you don't find it, we're going to call in the insurance policy. Then they got really serious about finding the robot when they realized how much we had insured it for. And sure enough, it turned up. And I think what happened was the crate was damaged and the shipping labels had been ripped off. So they just had a crate and they weren't looking for it. Uh, uh, well, I'm glad they found it. Yeah, me too. Because we're like, are you, this? if this is the ultimate fate of this robot, that it goes missing in a car accident, how absurd is that? Yeah, I just... We'd also need... We, we'd almost need like a... Uh, a video just based on you know how cursed that bot apparently is. <laughs> that's a, this is a good documentary. <laughs> yeah, or like a horror movie. Like, if you see the burger, you'll die. I don't know. 
<laughs> so now I guess we should move on to Scorpios because uh, Jen has, you know, after this season, there was a, you know, Battle Royale didn't come back, but you've caught on with another team and uh, yeah. quite successful so far as far as, you know, and even uh, even if they lose the last match, I would assume that they were going to make the tournament. It's 3-0, and had some impressive wins, including last week. Uh, as far as the airing. So can you tell us some of the differences between being on Scorpios this year from uh, the Battle Royale team last season? Team Poor Life Choices, I apologize. Yeah. Oh, it it really was, um, it is a very different team. And it's interesting. They're, I'm not even sure where to begin with this, golly. (laughs) So Zach and Diana run Bash Party Services, and they teach kids robotics, which is awesome. Zach and Diana are two of the most wholesome people I've ever met in my life. I mean, wholesome. Like, they inspire me to be a better person just by hanging out with them. Hmm. And, um, and you probably remember Orion, uh, Orion Beach? Yes. He was the, uh, the designer and team captain for Scorpios. Yeah. And he's, he's a very talented designer. He's a very talented engineer. Uh, Zach and Diana are both extremely talented builders, very talented drivers, I mean, the trio, that trifecta, is one of the winningest combinations in, in, in the lower weight division, uh, divisions, plural, of combat robotics. Diana is one of the winningest drivers of all time in California. She is really incredible. And Zach has been fighting combat robots since he was a kid. Like, he's literally one of those, like, narrative arcs that they like to play up. Like, he's been doing combat robotics since he was 13 yeah. years old and taught himself how to use a lathe. <laughs> yeah, he's, wow. he's that guy. And Orion is fantastic. Uh, we also had um, all members of the team were really good at what they do. Uh, so Chewy, uh, Micah, he is, he's also a fantastic builder, and he builds really fun, absurd robots. Dan is a fantastic builder. He was on Rex. Oh, okay. Um, this was, like, to me, this was like, this is kind of an all-star lineup. This is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, if you don't need Orion to drive for you, that's a pretty deep team. Yeah, and and Orion, unfortunately, he has, um, he was wearing a brace all season. Like, you may have seen, anytime he's on TV, he might have had, like, a, a flannel on over. Mm-hmm. He, he had a repetitive injury in his wrist from doing just infinite amounts of engineering in CAD, and he wasn't even necessarily going to do BattleBots season four because he had just started a new job and, and things in life were getting really hectic. Mm-hmm. So pulling this team together was, it was a little bit questionable. Like, are we actually going to be able to pull this off? But Orion did a, a tremendous amount of CAD. The work on the team was split up kind of based on specialty. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that worked really well about this team was that there were, let's say clearly defined roles um, people knew what they were responsible for, and they took it very seriously. Huh. And yeah, and I mean, my, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say yeah. for uh, for for my part, uh, outside of of doing the welding, like I've I've also been working on mechanical systems since I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. So working on things like gearboxes. Uh, for for the most part, during the month of March, I spent all of my free time, all of my time, doing the welding for the primary chassis and then for the variety of weapon arms that we brought on site and then building after that spares and backups and new pieces and once we were on site we kind of got to like trade around a little bit and kind of do triage and prioritize uh, what was getting built and what was getting repaired but everyone on this team was really good at their specialty and also really well able to cross over so like i did the graphic art for 
Scorpios this year, and I was doing my best to make sure the sponsors were happy and well taken care of because we really need them. Mm-hmm. We need their help and we need their parts, and they took really good care of us. So we had a very good relationship. Uh, but we also had like Van Beber Brothers and Petaluma. They just they helped us out so much. We wouldn't have had armor at all. We wouldn't have had a frame at all if it weren't for them. And then they they went ahead and uh, and gave us an even better sponsorship deal than we had had with them in prior years. So it was just. Uh, honestly, if everything had gone wrong on Battle mm-hmm. Royale with Cheese, it felt like this year almost everything was going right for Scorpios. Now, one thing that went wrong, though, is that you were the only one that dressed up in costume. I was a little disappointed in the rest of the team. Yeah, I felt a little Battle Royale in you there that first week when everybody had the blue shirts on. I think you were rocking the leather jacket. Uh, yeah, so this is funny. Diana, in particular, we were talking about doing costumes, and she was into it. And so was Zach. He's like, yeah, that's a great idea. And because I am so extra, I'm just always so extra, uh, I called a friend of mine in San Francisco who's a designer, Sasha Cardinal Weinberg, and I said, hey, my team wants to do costumes. Uh, I'm thinking something like Tron. I'm thinking something like, like something kind of slick and cool. And she's like, I got you. No problem. I'm going to make this thing. So <laughs> just on like a couple of conversations and shading a couple of, of, uh, of images, she put together this amazing outfit for me. It's completely custom and was like themed to the robot. Like, the mesh panels matched the hex theme on the robot. I'm like this was yeah, great. It looked, it looked great. Yeah. Yeah. So I show up like a week before uh, a week before we're leaving for um for Long Beach and I've got my costume and Diana had been working on hers. But what had happened was because I paid someone to do this and they were doing it themselves. And the robot comes first. The costumes kind of got pushed to the back. And that's completely fair and reasonable and the right thing to do. Absolutely. (laughs) But so I show up and I'm like, well, what am I going to (laughs) do? I mean, Sasha did an amazing job on this. It looks really cool. Well, I'm just going to wear it. I'm just going to do it. How about that? (laughs) And the the team totally was behind it. They're like, yeah, go ahead. Be a superhero. We endorse it. So for for no particular reason aside from me just planning ahead more than the average individual and me just being extra, that's why I came with a costume. (laughs) Fair enough. I mean, like I said, we just were like, yeah, she's still got some poor life choices team in her right there because she's still Uh, dressing, you know. But yeah, I mean, well, if you ever decide you need to change a pace again and a move, the Florida team seemed to be bringing it with the costumes every year. So if you ever decide yes. to move down here, they got you, I think. Every one of these teams will be like, oh, yeah, we're into it. So. Oh, my gosh. I love I love Witch Doctor so much in particular. I also – look, I love Hypershock. I'm not going to lie. They Every year they come back, they've got – this year they had the jackets with the, the – oh, the – it was a, the cat with the smoke coming out of its nostrils. Like, so cool. Last year they had Rev 3 with the palm trees and the rake in the background, like – the Florida teams bring style every time. I just, I love them so much. Now, if we never see Battle Royale with cheese again, we will have one thing to carry on with us. Fantastic t-shirts last yes. season. Of which thank Brian you. snaked the one, so now I can't get that one. So. But, <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, it's all they're mine. still for sale. Uh, the, all the, the t-shirts for all the teams are for sale on the BattleBots website. So I, I know, but he won't, he won't buy it just because I bought it first. Ah... Yeah, you know, I gotta grab we can't, something. We can't show up to the, the, the dance in the same outfit, you know? Uh, well, I would send you one of mine, but they're all very small. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's... 
Well, so now, in, also with Scorpios this season, I mean, it's a team that I think everybody seems to underrate. Now, I know that we're going on, I'm going on like people on Reddit, but when I see, you know, fan polls and people that even do scientific rankings, they don't seem to rank Scorpios that hard, but yet well, yeah, you, you can just throw, keep... You can probably throw me into that pit too, but you, know, well, yeah, you can tell a, me why I'm wrong. You're a Sawblade hater, yeah. but you guys keep going out and doing it. So what just kind of consistently makes Scorpio so good? I mean, because we saw it last year too. Everybody took them you know, for granted, and then next thing you know, they're in the tournament and yeah. beating Hypershock to get in an impressive victory and probably the best driving I saw of last season. So... What is it about Scorpios, you know, that little extra that gives you guys, you know, just makes you guys consistently very, very good? I'll, I'll tell you, it's a, it's a special sauce. And the, the first thing is that we're all, uh, we're all tryhards. We all, we care so much. We put in so much extra time. Um, like, during the build, it was all I could think about. It was all I, I, I didn't even eat some days. I would just, like, chuck a protein bar in my bag and go to the shop be there 16 hours and we love building um and everyone on the team has something that they love most about the build like for me the build is actually one of the best parts because during the build it's sort of an infinite possibilities as long as you are doing a good job as long as you are doing good work you have a bright future to look forward to so i love the build i love actually doing the cad i love doing the welding i love doing gearboxes i love it uh diana she is an amazing driver. Like if you ever have the chance to be on a team with Orion and Diana and Zach, like all three of them are incredible drivers and what they can do with even a mediocre robot is impressive. So you give them a good robot and they will own. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things that people forget about uh, the front wedges on Scorpios and we've, we've heard some folks say, why do you have the little up facing forks? Don't they get caught in other robots? And we're like, yes, actually that is the point. What we try to do is keep the front forks as low as possible and then use those two little uprights to high center other robots so that we can control them and pin them. And the truth about sawbots is you don't win with a sawbot unless it also has an element of control. So whereas some other sawbots, uh, I think Jameson Go is actually a really fantastic example of a driver who understands that control is the most important aspect. And he is a very aggressive driver and he pins opponents in the corner and then he hits them as hard as he can. He's very good. Diana and Orion and Zach, similarly, they know what a control robot is and how it works, and they've been driving them for a very long time. So the point isn't to do the most damage as fast as you can. The point is to do critical damage at critical moments, and they're very good at that. But we also, like, straight up have quarter-inch to three-eighths-inch AR-400 plate on the front of the robot, so it takes damage. It absolutely soaks hits. It is kind of meant to break the weapons on horizontal spinners, and we keep our weapon away from the hits on uh, vertical spinners so that we can go in for for technical hits, get around the side, take out a tire, get around the back, take out a battery. So really, the key to Scorpios is not just that it's a very durable bot that we spend a lot of time working on, it's that it's really expertly driven. I can say, and now is this having a, um, it's a husband and wife team that are the two captains, or the two drivers? Yeah, uh, okay. Zach and Diana are married. Mm-hmm. All right, and they're just adorable. Want, <laughs> just want to make sure. Yeah, I wouldn't want to say brother and sister. I'm like, no. Uh, but um, so I guess that probably has something to do. I mean, you know, somebody. I mean, obviously, even just you know, a teammate that you've worked with quite a long time can be that way. But just having a partnership like that with like driver and weapon can probably you know go a long way. 
I oh, have to absolutely. imagine. And now, you oh, go ahead. Imagine this is like another kind of sport where like you work with the same team for a long time and you just know what the other person's going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, you're dead on accurate. Like they know each other's driving styles and Diana knows exactly how to wait for a good hit when she's the weapon operator. And she knows how to go in for a good hit when she's a driver. Now, I know this is probably a lie, but there's been a couple of uh, matches with Scorpios this year that they've gotten also damage-free. I even kind of said to my wife, like, Jen's not going to have anything to do after this match. But I know that's a lie. Did, did you, so, are you talking about, like, maybe the Copperhead fight? Yeah. Would you like to know a secret about the Copperhead fight? Sure, let's go. All right, Zach Goff and, mm. uh, and Casey Coons and the other folks on that team... I love them. They are wonderful, uh, and they're very funny. All the behind the scenes with those guys is just such comedy gold. I, but one thing that isn't really obvious from the fight with Copperhead is how much damage they managed to do on the inside of Scorpios by hitting us on the outside in, in some kind of critical places. Mm. So there were probably a few points during the match where you can see we go over them. Like we kind of yes. ride up on the drum and and you know, fly over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those hits in particular, a lot of those hits did damage, like tearing out pieces of steel, which I can fix, no problem. But one of those drum hits to the bottom was so hard that it actually deformed the 3 AR plate that makes up the bottom of the chassis and pushed it up in such a way that there's a, a frame rail inside that holds the weapon mount and the weapon gearbox. That rail split transverse. I have never wow. seen AR steel break in that way. That was so much force. And what I wound up having to do is we took the entire robot completely apart. Like, I mean, down to, down to nothing. Even took the paint off of the inside. I took it out to the metal fabrication area. There was no way to fix the frame rail. It just had to come out. So with a plasma cutter and a die grinder and an angle grinder, I spent an entire night out in metal fabrication, cutting and removing pieces of the frame rail, then getting a new frame rail in place, welding it and, and aligning it so that we could have the weapon in the correct position, then flipping it over and the holes that that barrel had left in us, I filled them in with weldment. I kid you not. If you look at the bottom of Scorpios right now, <laughs> mm-hmm. there are these big weld puddles. And those are places where the, the drum had literally ripped out AR steel and I'm so impressed wow. by that kind of energy. Yeah. Even in the Sidewinder fight, they they made contact with the the beefy front fork and they ripped it. Like the the impact where that happened, it's it's hard to see now because I actually cut this piece of plate out and replaced it with uh, another piece. But like we're talking about uh, a piece of three eighths steel ripped, and along the rip, it's blue. Man, yeah. I- I mean, I knew that was a lie, but yeah, I'd, I'd really like <laughs> to see some of that. I mean, we didn't get to see too much of it, and obviously there's no kinetic energy weapons at the Maker Fair, but just want to <sighs> seeing some of the damage and some of the licks that it takes, and I think a lot of times you have to you know, um, follow these teams on Facebook and you know, social media to see these pictures that you guys put out there, but you, know, you don't see it, and you just kind of think, and we'll sit here and talk about these fights and go, oh yeah, that was boring, they got off easy. And then it's like, no, I mean, you see like that, you, you said like three eighths inch steel just getting sliced like it's, you know, piece of cheese, like craft cheese or something like that. So it's pretty amazing. And yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I, I, I even said, I'm like, this is probably a lie, but it doesn't look like Jens has any work for this. But obviously that was not the case. <laughs> I wish. 
<laughs> I, I like your reality better. Yeah, I'm sure maybe you probably would like, you know, just one easy match. Or like, ah, I'm just going to be sitting over here. You guys See, and the, the, if you need The me. thing is, I, I don't think, sh- I think she'd rather be fixing it. Uh, that's true. true. Now, like, okay. What am I going to do aside from that? Oh, my, I'm just going to have a beer and watch the fights? <laughs> Wait, that sounds great. That sounds awesome. <laughs> now, can you tell us, just can you name one bot that if you guys were facing, probably before the match, you just kind of have like a, ah, oh, crap kind of feeling to it. You know, like, I'm going to be busy tomorrow. Oh, yeah. So uh, you might remember on Scorpios Season 3, there were some problems with a weapon arm. And, oh, um, yeah. I think in particular, <laughs> uh, like Rotator, Rotator took it. Whew, that, yeah. was, that was some serious damage. I, am, I love the fact that the team was able to sort of hack a, an angle grinder on there and get it back running because that's, that's like, that's the spirit. Don't give up. Never surrender. Oh, uh, yeah. But one of the things we were definitely always worried about um, our damage to the weapon arm. Now, this year, the weapon arm was kind of fundamentally different, where in, it was just much beefier. Um, I grabbed AR-400 Steel again. Yeah, why not use tank armor on your robot? Yeah. Van Bever Brothers cut us these beautiful pieces that were 3 thick, uh, AR-400, and they were only welded in exactly the places they needed to be to keep the heat-affected zone as small as possible. So they are only welded in, in places where the joints meet. Uh, we with an entirely different style of weapon mount. So the uh, we have these things called weapon shackles. And if you remember season two, Rex, that this is how the the big spinning blade was mounted on Rex. So we had two pieces of one inch thick steel that come together and bolt with grade eight bolts, and that holds the weapon shaft. The weapon shaft is just an absolutely beautifully polished object, and the weapon spins on it completely freely. And then we've got belts on it instead of chains. So we kind of set ourselves up for success as much as possible. The belts uh, have some slip so that we can get the weapon spun up without burning out the motor or without taxing the gearboxes too badly. The uh, AR-400 plate, 316 on each side of the weapon arm, much beefier, much more substantial than what they had in Season 3, and just stronger overall. So it was able to take hits that the Season 3 weapon arm simply couldn't have taken. We were always still worried about coming up against either a top-attack robot that would have the ability to hit uh, the chain on the... We had a, a big servo sprocket that was exposed on the front of the robot. We were worried about a horizontal spinner that could do that kind of damage. And you saw the Valkyrie versus Ragnarok fight? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, so flat out, Valkyrie's one of my favorite robots of all time. I fell in love the moment I saw this robot. Uh, also, that team is amazing. They are so good. And they are, I, I just, I cannot say nice enough things about the way they build and the way they think about solving problems. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, they come up on the front of Ragnarok's wedge and that undercutter, with all that power, slams into the servo sprocket and just breaks it. That is a weakness on our robot, too. So if we were coming up against a robot like Valkyrie, that was one of our biggest fears. In the, in the fight against Chomp in Vegas, we actually added more plate. We added more armor on top of those sprockets to try to help keep them safe. Because Chomp is a top attack robot with a very powerful hammer. And same deal. If we lose that servo sprocket, we lose our weapon. And then we lose the match. Even if we're still running at the end, it doesn't matter. Because we didn't do enough damage and we didn't show enough aggression. 
So for us, the robots that posed probably the biggest threat were horizontal spinners that could hit our weapon, our weapon arm in particular, and top attack robots that could come down and do damage to our, our uh, servo mechanism. So, yeah, <laughs> hmm. we, we got matched against some, some good robots for us. Uh, Sidewinder had the potential to do that, but we were able to do more damage more quickly than they were able to counter for. And really, the, the key to that match was the box rush and keeping them on their side as much as possible. Now, I will and, say uh, that, I'll say, though, that uh-huh. when they did... So last year when they had the weapon arm knocked off, they, it was a pretty creative fix. I, I mean, I was, oh, yeah. I'm always down for uh, some good old ingenuity when it comes to robot repairs. So, Absolutely. Like, the fact that nobody gave up is, that's how, you know, sooner or later, if you don't give up and you keep getting good, sooner or later, that's how you win. Yep. And they, I'm so impressed with them last year. And they had a hard time last year. They were doing everything they could to keep the robot running. Uh, it, it, they were just wonderful. And I was really honored that they asked me to work with them this year. It was a tremendous experience. I'm, I'm going to be grateful for that for the rest of my life. Yeah, that's awesome. We just felt like it was a great match between the two of you two. And, uh, you know, I'm a big Scorpios fan. Brian, like I said, he's been a little hesitant with the saws. He is not <laughs> always the biggest uh, fan of the saws. But, you know, I mean, it's it's been a great bot. And there's, I'm glad. I'm always glad to see that there's a couple of different bots of everything because, you don't just want to see more and more and more vertical spinners. That's going to get right. boring if that happens. So the fact that there's still teams out there creative and the teams that are just like, even like Shatter, you know, like, hey, we're going to go with the hammer. We're going to make the hammer thing again. You know, I mean, it's great that you guys are out there doing it. And personally, I do love the variety in it. Why be like oh, everybody yeah. else, you know? <laughs> so um, we won't keep you much longer. And once again, we'd like to thank you for coming on again. Um, we are hoping to see you at the Orlando Maker Fair again this season. I, I'm, uh, you know what? I would really like to come out if schedule permits. I would love to be there. Okay. So yeah, I know you'd said that there was, you know, possibly some, uh, you know, potential like forks in the road with the uh, Power Racing Series next season. Yeah. So um, Make Magazine was definitely helped to yeah. launch the series uh, like out of Chicago and make it something that happens nationally. And the maker fair definitely gave us a place to consistently race. And they also supplied uh, the funding that allowed us to do a lot of the, the sort of fun or smaller races because they would kind of give a, a check at the beginning of the season for Bay area maker fair. And that also guaranteed that world maker fair in New York was going to happen. And those were two big races. And as, as an East coaster by birth, um, the the big race in New York, World Maker Fair, that was sort of my home race for a long time before I moved to California. Mm-hmm. And I've got nothing but like the fondest memories about Make Magazine and Maker Fair and the Make community at large. In a big way, Make Magazine and helping to promote people who are doing DIY engineering, DIY fabrication and electronics, they've made a huge difference in my life. I have moved from being like a shop hand and a fabricator I'm an engineer now, and a lot of that was just being able to have access to tools and education that might not have otherwise been available. So for me, seeing Make Magazine take a big financial hit uh, is really heartbreaking, and the folks who work there are really good people. Uh, and they've downsized so far. They It looked like they were going to go completely under, mm-hmm. and there was a bit of a rally, and there's a bit of a fundraiser, and they're, they're trying to come back and, and sort of restructure things and try to keep going. 
But the money that had supported PRS via make, uh, that's just not going to, it's probably not going to happen any longer. Some of the regional fairs have always been supported by locals. So like Orlando Maker Fair is well supported by the community. And I think that's wonderful. Yeah. And PRS will continue happening at Orlando Maker Fair as long as the community supports the Maker Fair. That's awesome. But the league as a whole, we're not sure what the fate is going to be. So we're examining some options. Um, having been uh, having been a pretty pretty successful racer, I, I'm also eyeing more of a position on trying to help make sure the league continues going and see if we can find sponsorship. Uh, there was one year we were sponsored by um, Die Hard Batteries. There was one year we were sponsored by Loctite. So if we're really open to that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. we're not sure what the fate of the series is going to be. Because we love to build and because we love to race, we're going to keep doing it. Like you can't take it away from us. It's just the scale that's going to be in question. Yeah, I mean, you'll probably see some of the smaller teams kind of fall off by the wayside, and hope that doesn't happen because you know we would like to see the sport grow more, not you know yeah. have to downsize. So, yeah, oh, I mean, me too. we'll be fingers crossed that you're there kicking butt in Orlando. But if not, we'll still be there rooting, and uh, you know, we thank you for getting uh, getting our interest up in this sport, especially yes, Brian absolutely. here. We'll have his bot or we'll have his uh, cart done sometime around 2026. Uh, yeah, good possibility. <laughs> Current rate. So, um, so now before we let you go, can we? Uh, did you have time for our quick ten question quiz? Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. Now this one. <clears throat> no pressure. Of, you got. You went nine for ten last time. We had kind oh. of. Yeah, we we have done something like this before with huge. Uh, I'm just going to kind of give a dictionary or Wikipedia definition of a team name and. Hopefully, you can tell me what team I am talking about. So, if I said something like extremely large, the answer could be huge. Yes, there we go. I should have done that as my sample question before we started talking because I may have given one away already. Ooh. Oopsie. Okay. <laughs> this one, okay. Now, the first one is a little weird. So, we're just going to start you right off the bat with a hard one. An alligator's is 2,125 psi, a jaguar's is 2,000 psi. White Force. Yes. There wow. we go. I, well, yeah. she got the hard one, so we're looking at 10 of 10 now. So. Oh, so you started with the hardest one. Well, maybe not because I'm older than you guys, so maybe the second <laughs> one will. A 1988 martial arts film starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, boy. Oh, I know that one. 1988. It's a good movie. Martial arts. Jean-Claude Van Damme. He fights Chun Li, who I swear with, is probably with glass a on his fists. We're probably just going to screw up more with this. Oh, oh I, but I feel I like I've his, seen this I movie. I think his name I, is Frank Du or something. You're no, not yeah, I've seen this movie. I think I've seen a spoof of it. Huh? Huh? Well, oh no! 1988. Oh, jeez. I don't know. Jean Claude Van Damme. Hang on. I'm going through my mental Rolodex. What movies was he in? IMDb.com. Oh. <laughs> he's, fight, he's fighting in a tournament, and I think at some point he kicks a tree. Hmm. I don't when think he's training. Because I don't remember any of this either. <laughs> <laughs> well, would it help if I described the robot? Wait, no, wait, wait. I think I got it. It's okay. Bloodsport. Yes, there we go. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that was Woo. one of. This is an underrated movie. I like that movie. Um, yeah, the guy throws the powder in it, the crushed pill powder in his eyes, and he goes blind, and yeah, he still kicks his butt. I think that was kind of the inspiration for MMA. 
So maybe uh, I kind of hate it now, but I don't know. Oh, <laughs> <Anyway. yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, chemical element with atomic number 27. Chemical element 27. And this is a robot. Guess we need some chemistry majors for this one. Oh, oh, wait. No, wait, I got this. Um, okay. It's a UK team. It's Cobalt. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. There yeah, we go. I should have known that. <laughs> it's one of uh, my favorite robots. All right. The, the that name, is a gnarly robot. Yeah. I thought maybe you would say that is the one that you really didn't want to have to weld afterwards because that was oh a nasty gosh. one. Yeah. They, they, uh, they do some serious damage. <laughs> That's a frightening. Yeah. It's scary to watch. Uh, number four, the name of the most recent Avengers movie. Oh, gosh. And this is also uh, a bot. Oh, Endgame. That is correct. Okay. I was going to say, after that sweet costume, we might have to take away your nerd card if you didn't get that one. <laughs> fair. That would have been fair. Uh, number five, the National Protection Organization recommends having one of these on each floor of your house with one preferably near the kitchen. Extinguisher. That is correct. I was going to say <laughs> smoke detector. All right. Yep. <laughs> That, that could be another, that's a decent bot name. Yeah, just sits there and waits for something to catch fire that before could be it does our fir- anything. If we ever make a mini bot, that can be our first one. We just take an old smoke detector and put some parts in it. Um, <laughs> number six, one one thousandth of a terabyte. Sorry? Uh, gigabyte. Oh, okay. We had a hiccup there. Yeah, that one was a, that one was a layup, but okay. Um, number seven, a 1996 comedy starring Woody Harrelson and Bill Murray as Big Ernie McCracken. What year was the comedy? 1996. I can give Ernie a hint McCracken. for this one. Big Ernie McCracken. Do we need oh. a hint? Uh... Yeah. Yes. It's a bowling. Yes, I would like a hint. It is a bowling movie. Oh. Is it? Oh, it's Kingpin. That is correct. All right. Okay. I ain't got no cows. I got a bull, though. I don't remember. Oh, yeah, I remember. What you're <laughs> you know what part I'm oh, talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Number eight, and we're seven for seven so far. Number eight is a meteorological phenomenon that is caused by reflection, refraction, and dispersion of light in water droplets. Rainbow. That is correct. <laughs> Number nine, someone born between October 23rd and November 22nd. A millennial. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> October 23rd and November 22nd. Aww. Uh, I got a. So I'm, I was thinking about astronomy, but I actually should be thinking about astrology. Hmm. And that's. Probably not my best subject. Um, October to November. I'm, I'm going to say the the bot is a bluish color. No helping, sir. That may have oh, got no. added is a new a, team member this year. Is, is it a Scorpio? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we I couldn't let her get that one wrong. she missed that one, we could have just held it over her in shame no, for ever. all time. You would have had me forever. Number 10, I think you might get this one. A fighting UK version of a quarter pounder burger. I just said the burger part too, so whatever. (laughs) Would that be Battle Royale with cheese? That is correct. (laughs) 10 out of 10, our first one. Bravo. Yes. All right. We could have hung that over her. Oh, that would have been so fun. No, I I wouldn't know what that happened. 
Well, Jen, you've been fantastic as always. Um, what have you got coming up? Does this seem to be, you know, you've had, last year you had the great racing series, but you didn't have the great battle bot. Now you kind of got both going. So what's next for you? Oh, gosh. Um, so I, my, my day job right now is like building experimental airplanes. And I have actually uh, become a student pilot. And I'm really loving that. Uh, I feel like I'm very lucky in that respect. Like, this gets to be my day job. But in terms of like hobby style, uh, I get a, I Have you ever heard of the Cocktail Robotics Challenge? No. No? Okay. So I, I cordially invite you next year to come to California and experience the Cocktail Robotics Challenge where we'll all go to the DNA Lounge and we will all have drinks of varying quality made by a variety of robots. And my next personal project, I uh. want to be a barbot. I'm so into this idea. I, I wanted to build one last year, but I had no time. This year, I, I actually might have the time outside of racing to build a barbot. And so I've got a, a great idea, and I've got uh, a co-builder who's a software developer who's going to do some really interesting stuff with the software. And I've got some interesting ideas for how to get alcohol from one side of the robot to the other. And if you want to hear all about that, I will nerd out about that. But I think that's going to be, aside from racing and aside from flying and aside from robots, that's my next thing. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. We may have to get that story if you, uh, if you come out to Orlando. Absolutely. Yeah, they've got there's something like that at Epcot during the Food and Wine Festival where it just that well they have to pour it in the machine, but then it kind of just sciences around and then spits out the bottom <laughs> in a beaker and you drink it. But I don't know, probably not quite the same, but you know it's still kind of cool. But yeah, that is now, very interesting. Man, now before we let you go, Jen, I do have one question. Sure. I've seen the I I I'm gonna call it the Battle Beetle. I've seen it on Facebook. <laughs> yes. I have to ask: Did anybody come through with a cup holder? Yes. Oh, this is wonderful. Uh, I got I have three cup holders. Uh, one came from Jordan, who was on Battle Royale Cheese. He printed me uh, a little black one, and then a friend of mine at Fubar Labs in New Jersey, Jackie Gerstein, she printed one in purple, PETG. And then a friend of mine in the UK, Keegan Neve, he printed me one in orange, and he's shipping it to me from the UK just so that he can have a hack in my car. I think it's nice. absolutely fantastic. So I, I have three different colored ones there. Oh, it's it's kind of perfect. Like nothing on this car should look legit at this point. So I'm <laughs> really happy. Yeah. Well, I, I'm I am happy to see or to hear that you you did get a cup holder because a car without a cup holder is just not right. Yeah, I might have to sell just, it at that I point. I gotta have coffee. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I drink so much coffee that the, the, for a little while there, I had a, I would like try to put the coffee, like put it like next to a bag in the passenger seat, and I was just like spilling coffee and being miserable. Like, why don't I just solve this problem with science? But I didn't want to <laughs> buy a cup holder because it's lame, and I don't have access to a 3D printer right now. Um, but so I just put out an all call amongst my friends who hack, like, I will send you the CAD. I will even pay you for the material. I just do not want to give some reseller on eBay money for a friggin' cup holder. Yeah. <laughs> That's and it's way cooler to say that you got it custom 3D printed. Yeah. With oh, her, yeah. With her skills, too, I would, you know, I'd be happy to do Genesala because you know she's going to be able to whip up some cool stuff for you in return someday. So. Oh, yeah. I, I always pay back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's good to hear. I, I noticed that, too, on your Facebook feed. So, 
That's <laughs> amazing. So, well, you have been fantastic. Thank you so much again. Uh, we can't wait to have you back again next time to talk talk more oh, about all this you. stuff. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks a lot, Jen. Thanks, Jen. folks and i am back back with the awkwardness of trying to record by myself um some people may have podcasts that they do by themselves i don't know how they do it it's very awkward i would love to for just cam to start talking right now so very awkward but hey that's how it goes um i hope you enjoyed the interview this week um you know got a very interesting card coming out uh, uh this week because the you know finishing this up on a Thursday, the the fights have been announced, and we get to see our our buddies Duck back in action. Um, Gruff is back in action, although via Tombstone. So hopefully that goes well. Um, but other than that, um, yeah, Cobalt too. Love Cobalt. So I guess at this point, if you haven't liked our Facebook page, uh, go like it follow us um we put stuff on there occasionally usually just to let you know when new episodes are up and uh you know the the guests and and their facebook page and and how you can get to see them it's uh facebook.com forward slash breaking bots podcast uh you can follow us on soundcloud as well um or you know you can just find us on itunes um you've already found us somewhere so uh there you go like us subscribe to us give us a review if you feel so inclined It'll, it always helps so um, it, with that being said I'm just going to end this awkwardness now and uh, we'll see you here back next week for more uh, more Breaking Bots later y'all music for the Breaking Bots podcast is courtesy of Dan Moriarty and his band A Troop of Echoes available on Spotify, Google Play and Apple Music you can also check out his website a troop of echoes all one word dot bandcamp dot com <laughs>